Greetings, you are now listening to the McCuffey Croncast. Stand by for your hosts, Brian Murphy and Doug Bruzzoni. They will be discussing your favorite baseball squadron, the San Francisco Giants. Take it away, Brian and Doug. All right, it's July 6th, and uh, we took a little pause for 4th of July, but we're back. Brian Murphy, Doug Brizzoni, we're here to talk about the Giants, our favorite subject. Well, after myself, the Giants are my second favorite subject. <laughs> Doug, how the heck are you? How was your 4th of July? It was great. I ate uh, too much food and saw a few things blow up, and that's uh, America. Yeah. Yeah, that's America. I had a hamburger or cheeseburger. I had a cheeseburger every single day uh, starting Friday. And I think I had two cheeseburgers a day through yesterday. So I'm probably... Nicely done. Yeah, I probably won't eat a cheeseburger again for at least a week. But uh, it it was great. Uh, And yes, God bless America. Uh, Hopefully you haven't switched off since I said the word God. I apologize. Uh, to those who are offended by that word. Anyway, let's talk about something less offensive, but dis- more disgusting. <laughs> and let's talk about how the Giants started their week last week. Um, if you saw it at all, uh, the Giants basically were, they faced Oakland and were basically left a smoking crater where baseball used to be. Um, if, if you saw it, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the Our, our condolences, uh, from from us, not from the the Giants would never apologize for some reason, but that was pretty bad. Uh, the Bay Bridge series and the Giants basically brought um, a bag of farts to a to a tank fight. I don't know. So uh, in the first game of the series, Jeff Samarja was just destroyed eight to three. I think he gave up a home run um, to Billy Bean himself who was coming down to the field just by accident to make a trade, like a midnight snack. And uh, he got he actually saw a fastball from Jeff Samarja come in, and he hit it out of the park. Um, yeah, no, what, what happened is uh, he told he told Ron Washington, hitting, hitting a home run off Jeff Samarja is not that hard. And Ron Washington was like, it's incredibly hard, because that's his catchphrase. <laughs> so Billy Bean homered off him, because it's not that hard. That's right. And it's not because Billy Bean disrespects Wash. It's that this one time he knew he could prove him wrong. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then 13 to 11, the second game of the series, um, the, the bullpen was obliterated. Uh, so they're all dead. They don't exist anymore. Don't, after that don't game. think about this game. Don't yeah. ever think about this game again. Uh, That's my advice to you, everyone out there in the universe. If you didn't watch the game and you didn't catch any of the press coverage. Congratulations. Which, uh, great. But uh, you missed this humdinger of a fact, and that is that, uh, as Grant was able to find out, it was one of the worst losses in the history of the franchise, (laughs) Uh, based on the Giants uh, just giving up run after run and having a lead, and and it was was all a mess, and it was all terrible, and uh, may God have mercy on the Giants' soul. By the way, the Giants were outscored at AT AT&T Park 21 to 14. And it wasn't even that close. Um, <laughs> uh, then you get you get to Oakland and the Giants just uh, the defense falls apart. Then even though Jake Peavy was pitching, and uh, but still the, the the A's just beat the the holy snot out of the Giants seven to one. And then it took Madison Bumgarner pitching for the bleeding to stop, and the Giants barely won. 
they salvaged the game in the four game series in Oakland, uh, and that was a twelve to six win. They barely won that one, and they probably barely won it because Madison Bumgarner was the DH. Yeah, exactly. Madison Bumgarner was like, you know what? This team's going to be miserable. They're going to be miserable with me making them <laughs> just like holding them up, dragging them to a win despite everything that they're trying to do. So now we've covered all four of those games sort of in general, um, not going through all the pains of it. Now let's just talk about it sort of like, uh, you know, thematically or what it means. Cause I think there is some interesting things to discuss from the games that aren't necessarily play by play. Although I say that in the first game <laughs> of the, it, this was kind of a week where Bochi kind of punted. Uh, it was very, it was, it was sort of, it was glaring, at least to me, it was uh, that, in the first game of the series, for example, um, I believe that was when he left uh, Stratton in to pinch hit. And the Giants, it was already 7-1, to one, I think, or 6-1 to one at this point. Um, and the Giants, you know, were not going to win that game. The A's had demoralized them. But rather than send in a pitch hitter, he let Stratton hit. And, uh, and Stratton predictably grounded into a double play. So um, it was it was a an interesting call because... Who knows, a pinch hitter uh, might have done something different in that situation. It's certainly, the bullpen wasn't like totally fresh. Um, but instead, you know, leaving Stratton out there to just take a beating um, <laughs> was was the better call, apparently. And uh, so that was one part that I that caught my eye of like, oh, maybe Bochi wasn't, he didn't really care. Like, he, he got it. They were just pulverized. And I feel like the other thing also was sort of that Bumgarner being the DH was at least in part formed out of like, you know what? Screw it. Nothing else is going to work <laughs> at this point. So might as well just go just go for it and see what happens. And if it works out, it might reinvigorate the team. And if it doesn't work out, it wasn't like we were going to win that game anyway. Is how it came <laughs> off to me. <laughs> um, so, so to me, I would say that the Stratton thing was more about protecting his bullpen. You know, that was, Giants were in a stretch of playing 20 games in a row which is a stretch they're still in right now, playing games for 20 days in a row, which is very tough. Um, so he was probably thinking, you know, I want to have my bullpen fresh. And it worked. The bullpen was incredibly fresh for the next game. And they were all terrible. That's right. <laughs> so that went, that I guess it could have been worse. Yeah. I guess they could have lost, instead of 13 to 11, they could have lost like 26 to 11, maybe. Because the bullpen gave up a lot of runs and not a lot of innings. They gave up eight runs in the last two innings. Um, yeah. It, it was um, bad. It was, really it was bad. very bad. So he was doing his best to put them in a position to succeed. And the bullpen was like, no, no, we insist. <laughs> uh, I, let's talk about the 13-11 game real quick because, again, certain things that you can pull from that we can still talk about. I guess we can say Casilla's season, is he's not the same Casilla at this point, we can safely say. He's not the same Casilla of years past. He's still definitely the best reliever in the bullpen, but I would say the margin is closing, and Corey Guerin is probably catching up to him. But in this 13-11 game, Corey Guerin was bad. Josh Osich was somehow good, despite having a really bad week for the <laughs> most part. Javier Lopez is like, I, I as I tweeted, uh, he's let's just pretend he retired. Like what's what's the harm in doing that? Like if he just if we just all acted like he wasn't on the team, like all the beat reporters just asked that question, like 
who's going to replace Lopez now that he's gone, just to see what would happen. I guess it would be considered unprofessional. But he is basically pitching like he doesn't, that he doesn't exist, or certainly that he doesn't belong. Um, and and he, to, the, to the extent that Bochi finally did use him over the weekend in Arizona, but it, he's reticent to do it, clearly. Yeah, and he, he should be, because Javier Lopez has been very bad this year. And that was the last example. Um, and, you know, the, the guys who did the best, you know, Osich already mentioned, but Strickland and Derek Law each got one out, faced one batter. It's, I think it's pretty fair to say that maybe Law should have been there in a little higher leverage situation than Contos, for example, who there was a misplay behind him, uh, Connor Gillespie, if I'm remembering right. But still, uh, you don't want George Contos out there when there are runners on and you have a lead to protect. You want Derek Law because Derek Law is better. And even I will begrudgingly say maybe or definitely Hunter Strickland at this point over Contos. I don't know about yeah. Strickland over Law, but, you know, I know that in the depth chart, that's not going to happen, that Law is going to jump Strickland just yet. So, I mean, just to talk about this series, you know, in the end, basically all the shaky points are still there for the Giants. The pitching is a problem. Credit to the offense, though, for being good when, uh, as Grant pointed out, they had a third of the lineup is like, guys they got through emergency depth uh, who are all surprisingly first-round picks, former first-round picks for the most part, um, that are hanging in there. I mean, I, I don't know I don't know what else to say. The Giants are able to score runs still. And it, in a lot of ways, it reminds me of sort of 2000 to 2004 where they can score, but, oh, my God, they can't pitch. They, they cannot pitch. It's, it's terrible. Uh, I think Bum, it's basically Bumgarner, Cueto, and then Suarez will give you five or six, you know, as a fifth starter, which is fine. I'm going to throw PV in there, but I've, I'm ranking yeah. them. I'm essentially ranking the rotation, though. Uh, Bumgarner, Cueto, Suarez, I'd still put over PV, uh, but then PV is definitely on that list. And then, and then kind of Garen and kind of Casilla. And then after that, everyone else. It's a. It's not quite a question mark. It's just more like you definitely probably upgrade all of those parts immediately. Osich, I'll put as sort of like in pencil as being on this list as well because he still throws ninety four and he's when he doesn't come out and just issue a four pitch walk immediately. He has been very. He has been quite solid in almost a Garen esque way, but he is very frustrating and very inconsistent. Um, and Garen's been pretty inconsistent lately too. Uh, yes, I would say the last which, couple of weeks he's been very inconsistent considering that. Which, I mean, yeah. that could be overuse. That could be, you know, because his arm, he last year he was coming off Tommy John surgery. He didn't he didn't get that many innings in, in the minors or the majors. Um, and this year, you know, he's been a very heavily used used player. And that could be showing up because Bochy's had no choice but to use him all the time. Because yeah. what the hell else is he going to do? Right. Throw contest out there for more innings? Nobody wants that. <laughs> Right, and and these are these are all guys who other organizations didn't want, and yeah, and so for a variety of reasons, and you know the Giants thinking they can fix them or whatever it is, but you know essentially just, um, you know they have flaws. They have flaws baked into them when the Giants got them, and even though they've been able to work through them to be well, the warts are showing 
quite a bit lately. I mean, I want to go back real quick. I'm, I like jumping around in the series as opposed to going game through game because this is actually helping me remember more for some reason. Uh, but Javier Lopez facing Jake Smolenski in the first game, I mean, that was that was almost a white flag situation, a lefty versus a righty. Uh, and J- and Bochi had a comment where he just thought, I didn't think Smolenski was going to crush Javier Lopez in that situation, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny as well. Um, I wasn't counting on a home run in that situation. And that's an interesting point. Do you think managers don't count on home runs in situations? Do you think they go, well, hitting a home run's hard, so not everyone's going to do it. <laughs> um, there was, um, I think probably what was happening was Bochi was reading too much into uh, some sample size because there was some chicanery there. And I'm just saying chicanery because I like saying chicanery. It's a great word. Uh, Lopez, if I'm remembering right, hadn't allowed a hit to a right-handed batter yet. That, this year yeah like nine plate that. appearances or something yeah, yeah in like nine <laughs> or ten plate appearances so Bochy was probably counting on that he's like well the first one well the first one's not going to be a homer <laughs> because i mean what are the odds of that uh excellent and it turned out Bochy. excellent that was because javier lopez is not good against anyone but especially right-handers as has been shown through his entire career now that he's bad against left-handers it doesn't really stand to reason that he'll suddenly somehow be good against righties yeah i i mean i think that's like i'm i'm gonna cast my lot with the veterans bochi coming out where he thought well javier lopez hasn't been good except in this one way so i'm gonna give him an opportunity to stay good in this one way and hopefully it doesn't burn me um but (laughs) (laughs) there's a definitely a great gift floating around from that 13 to 11 game where bruce bochi looked like a little boy who had been like his parents forgot to pick him up after practice or something. He just looked <laughs> beside himself and disconsolate on the bench. Uh, and that was pretty much that A's series. Let's drift a little bit into the Diamondback series. The Giants won it uh, two game. You know, they won two out of three games and they looked fine, except the bullpen still looked pretty shaky uh, in two of the games. It cost them a win and it definitely uh, forced extra innings in the third game of the series. So I'm just going to draw a bigger connective thing here and say, if the Giants make it to the postseason, I think we know what they're undoing is going to be. Because I do not see this going away now that we are three months into the season. These are basically the same guys from the beginning. And they really have basically been streaky. Uh, and and that's that's bad. <laughs> I, would, I would say it's hard to find consistency in any Major League bullpen but when you intentionally have the, the bullpen at 12 guys, or if you intentionally carry 12 pitchers and you basically have seven or eight relievers and like one and a half of them are good, you've got a problem. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of thing the Giants are trying to compensate for with, with playing matchups. And to an extent that works, but at some point they're going to be able to pinch hit a lefty against George Contos. And it's going to be like, oh, oh, crap. You know, you can't just throw Osich in there, the first lefty that somebody faces. You can't throw Lopez in there at all, basically. He's on the roster like as a as a gift, as charity. <laughs> I'm I'm not sure why still. It's interesting um, because are they it's it feels like they're being more loyal to the pitching veterans as opposed to the offensive veterans, the heroes over the years. Um you know, Contos probably should go if they, you know, if they trade for someone and he's not part of the deal, he should be the guy who loses his roster spot. In the if we're talking about them trading for a reliever, and I wonder if it's because he's been around that they're you know since 2012 that he's the guy they're going to keep. 
Um, and, and and for the reason you're saying, like it's they're entirely just entirely possible. And I wonder why the pitching. You know what? Let's not overthink this too much. They've been healthy. They're nice guys. They're able to get outs maybe 51% of the time now, but they've been remarkably consistent for a long time. And I think the Giants, have, uh, you know, like a lot of teams, per- but perhaps more than most, are willing to see if guys can find it again. Um, and, and that just might be the case here. That's true. And it's kind of been what Bo's done in his career. So if you look at the bullpen, the bullpen problem in the Diamondback series, it was Osich who came in and walked his only, his only batter, a lefty, on four pitches, and then Strickland gave up a home run. Um, but then the next game, they were the, they were like the bullpen heroes. Yeah, uh, they it was locked Strickland. it down. Yeah. Strickland came in in the ninth at a, at a good inning. Osich came in, in the tenth, had a great inning. And, you know, Casilla in the, in the eleventh was really, was shaky. He was nervous. He made us all scared. You know, he got it done in the end. But it was really Strickland and Osage who were the ones who who came in and, and did a great job there. So I think that's just that's kind of what so Bruce Bochy does, veteran or not, that um, he'll keep giving you those chances to tell you, yes, I still believe in you. Yes, I think you can do it. I mean, that helps a pitcher on an individual level. If the pitcher can't do it anymore, like Javier Lopez, then it does not help anyone. Yeah, and I I, I agree. I, I kind of think that the that back that that bounce back appearance by both those guys is you know that's like a plus ten in 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 trust essentially. They they sort of they had the the thing you want from a reliever where the the last appearance didn't didn't they don't think about it. They just go back out there and play their game again. Uh, but it it's interesting how like the worst both those guys on Saturday night did the worst thing that they could have done in both those situations <laughs> that two guys doing the worst possible thing. That is like, you know, it's reliever. There's reliever inconsistency, inconsistency, and there's just bad relief pitching. And that was just objectively bad. Hunter Strickland's pitch had no business being thrown. A pitching machine would not have thrown that pitch because it was <laughs> so bad. The pitching machine is better programmed than that pitch. Uh, and I do not mind saying that because I've been blocked by Hunter Strickland on Twitter. I've also been blocked by Sergio Romo, I found out today. Oh. He will be making a return to the Giants' bullpen, uh, or he has, and I, or he already has. And I have to say that I am extraordinarily relieved <laughs> that he it's, is back. It's good, to, it's good to see Romo back, even though he's also blocked me on Twitter, and I'm not sure why. <laughs> like, I know, I know why Strickland does. I know it's good to see Vanity, Hunter Strickland vanity searches on Twitter. But Romo, I've looked through my tweets and I have no idea. Well, so, I know Sergio, that I've I know that I've definitely this. made comments about he's given up like a <laughs> game winning home run and I've been like, Well, Sergio Romo, you know, he's he to him he he came in and threw his pitch or, you know, basically talking something along the lines of like it didn't even matter, it didn't even happen. And you want you want a reliever to think that they're always the best. Uh we should point out that Hunter Strickland after that Saturday night loss, um that he put on his Instagram, you know, wolves are not bothered by the opinions of sheep. That that message, that image, I just thought that was so funny. This is a pro Giants podcast, so obviously there's no point in doing that and and going any further with this. But I guess it's a good thing that Hunter Strickland has that mentality that he thinks we are all garbage and he's awesome because it is the it is the only way that he can psych himself up into going out there and being awesome after he's been garbage. 
<laughs> that's that's true. I will say I don't exactly want the people I'm rooting for to think that Tywin Lannister is a good guy because that's a Tywin Lannister quote. But uh, hey, Hunter, if that's what you need to to psych yourself up, then you do you. Other comps, though, I mean, that means his kid's going to kill him on the toilet. <laughs> Which I could totally see ha- with the crossbow. I could totally see that happening. With the oh meat. yeah, no, there will be at least there are at least eight crossbows in Hunter Strickland's house right now. <laughs> he keeps one um, under his I, pillow just in case. That's why he's always cranky. I will say we sh- we shouldn't maybe talk about his other two kids <laughs> and what they're going to do. <laughs> no, that would be. <laughs> this is a family uh, podcast. Uh, but I think this was something you know. It's really frustrating to lose a game in the way the Giants did on Saturday. But at the same time, it was a Saturday night game in Arizona, uh, and the Giants, you know, lost it late uh, to a home run. You know what? That's going to happen. Arizona has, at times, it plays more offensive than Coors Field does. The ball jumps out of there. The Jeff, that was a Jeff Samarja start. He had a home run had to be given up in that game. It just <laughs> sucks that it wasn't Jeff Samarja who gave it up. It was Hunter Strickland uh, late in the game. So all things considered, it was not great, but the Giants are not going to sweep every series. And the fact that they came back the next day, and even after the bullpen pushed them into extra innings, they were still able to come back and win. Ramiro Pena, who? <laughs> Helping them out there. Um, so it's it's I, I like Ramiro Pena because more than most of the depth guys the Giants have accumulated over the last decade he's had like some solid major league experience like to me he he sort of fell into that nexus of he could be like a martin prado or like omar infante (laughs) before he became the omar infante we all know and hate now or you know just like there's he seemed to have some sort of actual utility to him and he's a switch hitter which i also am very high on but uh you know he's he's uh He's 20, he's 30, sorry, I was going to say he's 29, but he missed the season. He's not fantastic, but I mean, it just seems like out of all the things that the Giants would need in a utility player, this is essentially like good Emmanuel Burris, who himself, to be fair, seemed to have turned it around this year and really impressed the Giants. But uh, this seems like the guy the Giants have been trying to find for a few years, and, and hopefully... It's only 37 plate appearances, so really it's like nothing. But, you know, maybe this is kind of a guy that they can count on uh, going forward. Yeah, no, it'd, it'd be great if they had a, a backup infielder who could play a bunch of positions and play them pretty well. For all Kelby Tomlinson's virtues, he's not especially good in the field, um, especially if he doesn't have consistent playing time. So if Pena can can get out there and have solid defense and be at least decent at the plate, I know he's been great so far, but... Let's just take a stab at this and say he's not going to continue to hit 417. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, it'll be like 405 at the best. <laughs> the best. Yeah. Then, yeah, he could be he could be a pretty good, a really good utility infielder for the Giants, which is something that they've they've needed. Their bench was, uh, it seemed like a pretty big weakness coming into the year. Also, Gregor Blanco he keeps getting hurt and his his streakiness. It's not really kicking in in the way that we all expect with Gregor Blanco. Right. So uh, as a pinch hitter, perhaps, I think it's always tough. I think it's tough to be a pinch hitter in Major League Baseball. So the idea of being good from year to year seems absurd to me. Uh, and guys who have been able to do it in any um, measurable way haven't really been that great. 
you know, they've been okay because pinch hitting is very hard. But if they if the Giants can get a guy who can both stay healthy, play the infield, and pinch hit for them, and as a switch hitter, I mean, that's that's great. <laughs> Those are all yeah. things that you would hope for. Um, if he's basically the infield version of Angel Pagan, <laughs> hey, what a great find. In any case, I'm focusing too much on one guy. The point is the Giants went three and four during the week, and they kind of cobbled together the wins that they got uh, in a lot of ways. We, we're kind of skipping over the pitching performances. I think the pitching starters and relievers all the way around wasn't particularly great this week, which is not so bad. Your pitching is going to go through good and bad stretches. Um, you know, Bumgarner, you know, wasn't – he was he was pretty good, and then he kind of was all right. And then Cueto was all right. He had nine strikeouts, although he gave up two home runs and four earned against the Diamondbacks. But um, just kind of an eh week. And uh, and definitely the flaws were a lot brighter and more obvious than the than the, posit- the pluses. Yeah. I mean, and you know, those weeks are going to happen in any year. Sometimes you're just going to be embarrassed in three games, three straight games by your cross town, cross bay rivals. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's important that the Giants can still score. And yeah. if, if one of the two sides are working, you know, you basically just don't want to go into long losing streaks. Yeah. The Dodgers are now right there at five games. Um, and but that was the way we always knew it was going to be that way. Anyone who was thinking that they were going to run away with the division if they got up to eight games was crazy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it would be crazy if the Dodgers just fell off completely like that because they really can just pay for fixes. Um, and we're getting into that time of the year. Uh, it would be funny, but crazy. It would, yes. Now, I guess we should talk about Fourth um, of July. Uh, we're not going to be able to cover yesterday's game because we're recording it right as it's about to start. But that was the Giants win, 14 to nothing. It was great, uh, great start by Bumgarner. Uh, in any case, Jake Peavy's start on 4th of July was was really solid, was a great start. That was like Jake Peavy pitching in 2014 and, and for most of 2015. Uh, and in a lot of ways, how he's pitched this year, too. Um, and then a, a monster shot from, Boss, uh, from Buster Posey. If you were watching the ESPN telecast, it was Dave Fleming who was actually the play-by-play guy for ESPN, and he definitely broke his national impartiality <laughs> when Buster Posey hit that home run. It was pretty great. And then uh, Angel Pagan hit a home run left-handed or right-handed, and he smacked the crap out of that too. Um, it was just—it was a great, solid win against the Rockies, which you hope to see instead of those devastating come-from-behind losses that the Rockies seem to pull out at Coors Field. Yeah, no, it was, it was really good to see and. I mean, the interesting the wind was blown out and Jake Peavy still only gave up one run and that was on a stupid balk and it was it was really just good to see you know so and it's not good to see Jake Peavy committing a stupid balk but it was a hey, very stupid he shouldn't balk. trust his eyes he's tr- probably learned that lesson That's by right. now it feels like people are trying to copy Cueto on the staff I think a reliever I can't remember who it was it wasn't Contos it it might have been Garen uh, has. They, they have shown a quick pitch here and there in the last couple of weeks. So I wonder if PV was trying to do that, like the PV version of a quick pitch. But another thing about the the Bach, another thing I noticed about him, uh, we've mentioned this before. You mentioned this in your in one of your last post-gamers, and we talked about on the podcast that PV's kind of pitching backwards. But yesterday, I no- or Monday, I noticed that he was pitching, he was taking a, like, he was like a Red Sox pitcher on the mound. He was taking an enormous amount of time between pitches. Uh, and that might have been him trying to work out what he was going to throw with Posey. 
or I think more likely he really was just doing everything he could to upset the hitter's timing. Yeah, it seemed like it. And it seemed like it was working because that's that veteran savvy that we all used to make jokes about before the Giants won three World Series. And we're like, okay, they're smarter than us. We can (laughs) at least lay out one of these stupid jokes. We have like 40 others. So it'll be interesting to see how he, if he keeps that up, the Rockies have given him a lot of trouble, obviously, this year, especially. So that could have been, you know, special, special delivery or a special plan for the Rockies because, you know, they want to get up and hit him as quickly as they can. So he's going to slow it way down. Uh, Or if it's just another part of his game, maybe as his hair gets longer, his time (laughs) between pitches gets slower. I don't know. So uh, actually, so three and four last week and one and oh this or two and oh, because again, they won last night, uh, 14 to nothing. Um, so the Giants are, are doing well. They have the most wins in baseball right now. And um, and who would have thought? <laughs> who would have thought? And, uh, yeah, who would have thought? And also, remember, the Giants are only going to win 57 games. So after last night's uh, incredible win where Gregor Blanco came off the bench for a pinch hit seven run homer uh the giants are at 54 wins and so they only have three left this well, year so they, they might not win a game after the all-star break no no, no. they're gonna space these they're gonna space these out over the next three months uh, okay that's what's right, you're the expert yeah <laughs> i hope okay so who do you have uh what do you have for the best game of the week um i'm gonna say the july 4th game you know post Get on the 4th of July, Jake had a great game. There was no bullpen tension. Casilla had a shutdown inning, one, two, three. Uh, I, it was just a good, solid game all around. Buster Posey hitting a home run for America on 4th of July. I mean, it doesn't get any better than yeah. that. Uh, I'm gonna, no better than that. I'm going to pick, you know, one of the worst. Like, we should forget about this entire series, but I'm go- I'm going to pick the 12-6 salvage victory against the A's, which was barely a moral victory at that point. But Madison Bumgarner <laughs> being the DH, getting a double, which started the rally, uh, I, I'm just going to say that had novelty. It had excitement. And, you know, it ties into what we're going to talk about in a, in a minute here. And, uh, and it, was, it was awesome. And, you know, the A's fans were so happy except for that game. And that was the best. Right. Way, that was the best way to take a take a little bit of excitement out of mopping the floor with the Giants. Was a pitch, and that, that was also the game where they were like, "God, the Giants are such arrogant jerks." And the Giants were like, "No, it works." <laughs> so, uh, so what do you have for the worst game of the week? Is there even a wait? Is there even a debate? It's the thirteen to eleven oh. worst game in franchise oh. history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, That's, I, <laughs> I mean, is that, is that honestly the worst game since the Spielborgs game? Oh, man. Um, the Spielborgs game is has such, because it had such heavy playoff implications, too. Uh, yeah. I, I would say probably. I prob- There's some candidates. Maybe we should talk about that next time. That's a great, that's a great question. That's a great Twitter question, Doug. You should ask them. <laughs> that's okay, certainly, I'll, I'll that's certainly that. one of the best. That's certainly one of the, um, yeah, I would, I'll say yes for now. That's, that's true. Yeah. It seems like it. Uh, cause you can swap anyway, out the playoff, <laughs> but you can swap out the playoff context with the rivalry context and you can right. get a similar feeling anyway. Yeah. Uh, player of the week. Uh, who do you have? <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I, I know mine. I'm just, it's kind of unfair. I already wrote a whole article about him for yesterday. So, Oh, well, that's great. So yours is Brandon Crawford then. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's a great pick. Brandon Crawford had an amazing week and they would, I would be stupid to side against that. He had a tremendous, <laughs> he had a tremendous week. He's had a tremendous season. Yeah. He, uh, and you know, after yesterday when Addison Russell just said, you know, I don't deserve to be an all-star over Brandon Crawford and gave it up. Thought that was very classy of him. <laughs> and uh, and he was right. He didn't deserve that. That's right. That's right. Magnanimous. That's definitely <laughs> something that happened. Uh, so that that just like pushes us right into our next topic. All-star snubbery. <laughs> the Giants have been hosed in the all-star voting. If you saw yesterday or if you're just catching it this morning, Buster Posey in, Brandon Belt out. Madison Bumgarner in, Brandon Crawford out. Addison Russell did not abdicate. Uh, Johnny Cueto (laughs) in, Johnny Cueto's horse dead. Um, We should probably talk about that. His horse Popeye died. It was very sad. His horse Popeye. All right, Popeye. Uh, And if you didn't catch this, uh, Andrew Baggerly tweeted out. That it took five minutes between Johnny Cueto, Johnny Cueto's interpreter, and the beat writers to figure out that what Johnny Cueto was saying was was that he named his horse Popeye after the fast food chicken chain Popeye. Popeyes. (laughs) So that's great. Um, And there was a funny tweet from one of the Reds Twitter people. And he said, just put him in the Hall of Fame already. I mean, it's, it's a fair point. It is a fair point. <laughs> and Johnny Cueto honored his dead horse by posting to his Instagram dead pictures or pictures of said <laughs> dead horse. So uh, Johnny Cueto thrilling us, shocking us, grossing us out, making us love him all the more. Um, <laughs> and he's going to be an all-star uh, player. And Bruce Bochy came out and said that he hopes that Cueto starts the game. Even though I think Johnny Cueto's thrown more pitches in the last calendar year than than uh, than anyone in baseball history, so that'll be an interesting thing if that happens. Um, yeah, I mean, I I would guess that it'll be Arietta instead of Cueto, but I do hope that. But I remember, but Cueto was saying that he hoped that he could uh, get throw to Posey before Posey's out of the game, just so he wouldn't have to teach another catcher how to deal with all his tricks. So I hope so too, because that'd be fun to see an all Giants battery. That would be. Uh, but let's focus on sort of the snubs here. Let's start with Brandon Crawford. Um, that's certainly the bigger one, right, Doug? Yeah, no, absolutely. Brandon Crawford is the – Brandon Crawford and Corey Seager are the two best shortstops in the in the NL. Um, Seager's at the game, and he should be. Crawford should be too. It was just Cubs fans kind of turned out, and I don't know. Maybe there's nothing better to do in Chicago. Maybe everyone who says Chicago's great is just lying. But they they definitely got out there and voted, spent a lot of time voting. Well, Addison Russell won. Everyone who says that Chicago's great and they love Chicago are not in Chicago when they say any of that. And so right. they were probably all all those people voted. In that case, there's like there's more of those people than people in the United States or people in the actual city of Chicago. So rest yeah. in peace, Brandon <laughs> Crawford, who never played again after this snub. Uh, but he has a chance. I'm sure that you know. Usually, at the, if if you've been alive, you know the, how the All Star process goes. Guys are named to the team, and over the next two weeks, there's going to be like 50 guys who drop out, and someone's <laughs> going to and people are going to 
come up and play and people are going to come out of retirement and take the spots and whatever it is. So there's a very good chance there's Brandon Crawford started short somehow for right. both teams. That's right. So there's a very good chance Brandon Crawford still makes it on to the all-star team. Now going to, uh, I think it's really interesting also though, what I want to, before we finish the Brandon Crawford part, the reserves were named by the players. So I think it's really interesting that the players don't think Brandon Crawford is good enough to be an all-star. <laughs> um, there was actually a giant beat writer who tweeted Brian and said that they released the vote totals for the leader. And so like Nolan Arenado, who, who won the players vote got 780 something votes. And uh, and Seeger, who won the players vote, got 400 and something. So it's probably fair to say that most of those other a lot of those other votes went to Crawford. It wasn't that, that disrespectful. Stop stirring people up. Well, it's pretty disrespectful. <laughs> Corey Seeger has been around for a minute uh, and Brandon Crawford's been around for quite a while. He's he's won a bunch of World Series like. People have seen him play. <laughs> they watched him make amazing catches in in the World Series. And nope, nope. So let's talk about the other guy because Brandon Crawford only has a chance basically for injury replacement. Let's talk about Brandon Belt. Uh, also kind of a snub. I always think first baseman, it's really tricky. Um, and I think you and Grant both wrote about this on the site at some point, right? That basically, you know, Fernando Rodney getting traded from the Padres is going to screw Brandon Belt. That was the prediction because the you know the lone Padres representative could have been him, but now it's Will Myers who's going to be the backup first baseman. Will Myers, who's not even a major league fielder of any sort of any <laughs> of any note, is still going to be the backup first baseman. So out goes Brandon Belt, who's having his best season, and uh, it's a bit of a shame. But he is. The next, he is the um, the final vote, and he's going to go up against a bunch of other players so the fans have a chance one last time to vote in a guy, and that's going to be tough who's going up against. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough vote. I will say that um, with Belt, it's not as much of a snub, as much as Will Myers is personally kind of annoying. Yes. Uh, and on the Padres, he... he have been having a very good year uh offensively yes and for some reason the, the defensive set, stats hate belt so he doesn't he's not getting any credit there and then rizzo is great and goldschmidt is paul goldschmidt and you can't really complain about either of them making it over belt so it's you know you want him to make it i want him to make it i hope he wins the final vote but i'm not quite as quite as annoyed by at the entire universe that he that he's not already on the team as i am with crawford well, Crawford, yeah, for sure. Uh, but Belt's going to be going up against Jake Lamb of the Diamondbacks, who, if he if he and Nolan Arenado only played the Giants, they would be in the Hall of Fame after their second season. Like, they would build a new Hall of Fame for them. That's right. Uh, Ryan Braun, Starling Marte, and Trevor Story. Now, Trevor Story should automatically be disqualified because this is the Yasiel Puig situation all over again. The, the Puig situation? When Puig was, uh, everyone wanted Puig on the All-Star team through his first half season, remember? And there was this huge damn stink about, well, he hasn't done anything and blah, blah, blah. This is Trevor's story. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. I mean, he's also he's exciting. You know, he's fun, but, but Crawford it's, it's, should be there over him. Right. Or Belt it, should be there 
Arrow. So, you know, Lamb, I think... Who should be there over him. Yeah, I, and I think Lamb, though, I, it's it's funny when you start talking about all-stars for Major League Baseball because there are, there are definitely a lot of great... There are a lot of good players and certainly few great players, but when you start putting them all against each other, you're like, oh, that guy's good. Oh, that guy's good, too. Oh, he's good, too. And it <laughs> sort of gets into this muddled mess, and then you remember, oh, it's the all-star game. They're all good. Yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> right. So, you know, we love Brandon Belt. I love Brandon Belt. Brandon Belt's having a, a deserving all-star season, and then you just get into this whole, who's he going up against? Well, all these guys are good. But again, I think Trevor Story should, has no business being there, and it's interesting that the white man, Trevor Story, is not getting the same scrutiny that Yasiel Puig did. So, it's true. That is true. Because this was the exact argument that people were making about Puig. Anyway, uh, so and you're not going to hear it all here, other than from you. That's right. That's right. So we'll see what happens with the All Star Game. Um, I, I would say the 2012 World uh, All Star Game is the greatest All Star Game for Giants fans ever. Though it's going to be impossible impossible to top that. It is. That is that one was spectacular and fun. And ha ha ha. I can't even yeah, I don't that was the all-star game that I had wanted my entire life. I'm <laughs> and not it finally kidding. Happened. And it finally happened. I mean, I thought it would happen with like Will Will Clark and Kevin Mitchell and Rick Russell for some reason. <laughs> but <laughs> there we are. So, you know, but it happened and Matt Williams, but it happened with uh it happened with, with uh who we got, which were great. Yeah. Matt Cain, Buster Posey, Pablo Sandoval, and Melky Cabrera. That's right. Remember him? All right. <clears throat> now, we have a very special guest joining us now uh, for for the Croncast. It's, it's the first time we've ever gotten uh, an active player on the roster to appear on the show, and we're very grateful to have him. Um, Doug, join me in welcoming uh, our guest this, this week, probably our only guest that we're ever going to have from the team after this week. Um, yeah. But this is a, uh, this is a uh, fake Jeff Smarja. Fake Jeff Smarja. Oh, fake, fake Jeff Smarja. It's so good of you to join us. Uh, uh, how's the, how's the game going? That's thanks, going on right thanks. now. Uh, well, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an honor. It's an honor to be here. Um, you know, the game, the game's going on. Some pitches are happening, you know, I'm with my teammates and, you know, it's going to be fun. Well, we'll see what happens to see if anything flies over the wall, you know. So, uh, so how do you like being on the Giants, Big Jeff? Oh, uh, the, uh, the Giants are, uh, they're great. They, I love the uniform. I didn't think I'd like clean tones, but turns out I look really sharp in them, really sharp. And uh, the, the Bay Air is really good for my sinuses. And, uh, and and the air, surprisingly, is really good at helping a lot of my pitches get elevation. And, uh, and uh, it, it's pretty cool. And uh, everything's really expensive, which, uh, you know, being from Chicago, I, the greatest city on earth, uh, I think that that's great. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad. So um, talk to me a little bit about, about home runs. Do you know why you give up so many home runs? Oh, well, home runs, you know, one, one of my biggest beliefs uh, as an American is freedom. And, uh, and in my, in my estimation, home runs are like a symbol of freedom that you cannot replicate anywhere else. It's the most nonviolent form of protecting our way of life in a lot of ways. So to me, a home run, huh, 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 you know, it's fun to watch the ball go 
so so far, you know, because I was throwing it and then it's over my head and then it's over everyone else's head and then it's over the fence. <laughs> it's just cool. <laughs> can you um? Can you remember back to the very first home run you ever gave up? What was that like? Oh, uh, well, yeah, I can remember that. I was in my backyard, and uh, and and uh, I was using our one of our couch cushions as like a strike zone. And I remember, uh, you know, as a backstop for the ball. And I remember I was trying to throw it inside to the imaginary batter that I was picturing in my mind's eye, and uh, and it and it leaked out right over the plate. And and wouldn't you know it, that imaginary hitter, he he crushed it easily 400 feet, went into the street, it caused a massive pileup. But uh, that was in an ice cream truck overturned, and uh, and, uh, and that was fun. We got a lot of ice cream that day. So. <laughs> So um, the all-time record for home runs given up in a single season is 50, and it's held by Hall of Famer Burt Blylep. Oh, I'm going to beat that. I'm going to beat that for sure. Uh, right. I have a lot of goals for the season, and that's definitely been one of them. All right. So you're not going to settle for just the NL record, which is held by Jose Lima. It's 48. Uh, I'm, you're going to go uh, the whole thing? Well, you know, I I I respect the, the memory and the legacy of Jose Lima. Uh, I'm a big believer in Lima time. I think Lima time is uh, is emblematic of human freedom, just like home runs. And uh, and I wish I could dance. I could dance like Jose Lima, to be perfectly honest. But uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat his record. I'm gonna take it to him, and uh, it's gonna be me on top at the end of the day. All right, and uh, the all-time major league record is 522 for a career. It's held by Jamie Moyer. Do you think you can come close to that, or is he just such an all-time great that uh, that's untouchable? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, you know, I ran into Jamie the other day. It was it's interesting, you know, and um, it was funny because uh, everyone that was coming up to him while we were having a conversation, you know, little little twerps, little three or four year old kids, boys and girls, the infirm wheeling up in their chairs or on their walkers. Everyone was saying, "Hey, hey, Moy boy," that's what they called him. <laughs> They would. Uh, they were saying, uh, "I could take you deep," and and he knew it. He knew they could. Um, but uh, he he pitched for a long time. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I'm going to pitch that long. But uh, if I if I do, uh, I'm going to take him down. I'm going to take the record down. Okay. Do you have? Uh, do you know what the longest is that you've ever gone without allowing a home run? Well, you know, I kind of like to think that the home run that Hunter gave up the other night was sort of like. Uh, an honor, an, an honorarium, I think they're called, or like a, like he was basically deferring to me, the veteran, and doing that for me. But uh, that was the longest it's ever been for me. I think I've gone, you know, one game without ever giving up a home run. And uh, finally, do you have anything you'd, you'd like to say to your detractors or, as they say nowadays, the haters? Well, to my tractors, I'd say I'll be home soon, boys, and we've got a lot of road to hoe. <laughs> to my <laughs> to my haters, I would say, uh, well, you know, I'm here and you're not. That, that, that's what. Through words have have never been spoken. Uh, fake Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. All right, thanks a lot, Grant. Thanks. All right, thanks, Jeff Samarja. Thanks. Thank you to Fake Jeff Samarja. Yeah, that was really great of him to join us. That was great. Um, uh, hopefully all that uh, audio editing I 
I did in post made him sound as Jeff Samarja as possible. <laughs> Fake Jeff Samarja. Uh, all right. Let's close it with some Twitter questions and then enjoy the 14 to nothing schlacking the Giants are giving the Rockies right now. Okay. So the first question we have is from CalBear at CalBear949. How does the signing of Kevin Durant help the Giants pitching staff? So glad we can talk about this. <laughs> Finally, remember, we can re- talk about Kevin Durant. That's right. Do you remember when uh, Durant was in the booth back in 2013? I remember it very well because I'm like, I want Kevin Durant on the Warriors very badly. And he likes baseball. <laughs> and he even had that quote where he loved Buster Posey's intensity and he likes the way he goes about his business. He's like, I know everyone has the talent, but I want to know about the mental side, mental side of the game. Plus, he was probably with someone who was very focused and intense in a non-scary way, which apparently Russell Westbrook is like. <laughs> so, so I think Kevin Durant's going to help the Giants' bullpen by at least a run. He's going to shave a run off that ERA. Oh, I thought he was going to help them give up one less run just on the year, which also would have been good. But <laughs> I, like, I like shaving a run off the ERA, for it'd be, sure. It'd be fun if he played first base or third base and he'd, he'd just run up and start smacking the ball down. After it was hit. There's nothing that says you can't do that. That's true. Totally legal play. That's right. So, Kevin Durant is going to play first base, Cal Bear, and he's going to smack the ball down as soon as it's hit. That is the answer to your question. He's going to be a great rim protector for the Giants. (laughs) Next next question comes from at Scout underscore six, who is, I believe, a mod on McCovey Chronicles. Yes. Uh, He asked, is Jarrett Parker deliberately injuring players so his friends from the minors have roster spots? <laughs> I didn't see that question. Yes, of course he is. <laughs> he is, yeah. He's I mean, he's blaming it on Mac, too, which is the real uh, diabolical. That's right. <laughs> Poor Mac Williamson. He just he looks like a guy you could blame stuff on. <laughs> yeah, he's just so nice. He's so handsome, too, but in that way that you think you can get away with something. But, like, he's not sharp. <laughs> or something let's talk for just a second jared parker's playing very extremely well and i'm very glad to see that and i'm a little bit surprised and i have to say that i have clearly seen him laying off of off-speed pitches and i couldn't be happier yeah no he has been it's been it's been great to see it's been very impressive because he's never done that in his life <laughs> and it's a good time to start that's right <laughs> and, and mac williamson speaking of him he's he had a, a solid week and I really hope that Bochi continues the trend of not platooning him. Certainly the injuries are mounting and it's making it easier to not have to do that. But Mac Williamson in his career minor league and the sample size is bigger does not really have a platoon split. And he is, he has been slightly better against right-handers in his career. So I think he should get you know, as much playing time as possible, but you know, all the credits Jarrett Parker for, for playing so well that it's just like, well, it's not, uh, it's not, blindingly stupid for him to be in the lineup right and uh, by the way we didn't talk about this before mac williamson had a couple balls in arizona one of them he hit off the scoreboard and and then he hit one the next day that was that was a line out to left field they hit it at 117 miles an hour so that's good to see because that wasn't happening in this first kind of series of call-ups where he was hitting the ball consistently with that authority that we know he's capable of so Great, great. Those guys are getting time to play, and they're they're making the most of it, which is the all you can hope for. <laughs> it is all you can hope for. And then the last one I have is from at 
Cool Mudgeon, who asked, did anyone else suffer AIDS-induced dyspepsia this past week? Yes, absolutely. It's still happening. It was not the 40 pounds of awful food I ate on the 4th of July. Yeah, I don't. Uh, that A series was one for the ages in terms of how bad it was. There was not there. I'd be hard pressed to think of a greater disparity between the team heading into that series and the team that played in the series. And and it was not that the A's had the Giants number. It was that the A's made it so that the Giants had no right existing. <laughs> <laughs> The the Giants were finally the team that Brian always says they are. <laughs> they really were. They were really bad. Uh, I, I it was just shocking to see, and and you know the A's offense is kind of bad. <laughs> it, it had been playing kind. Of, it had been playing okay in the week or two heading into that series, so that could have been something. But even when the teams have both been good or both been bad, they tend to still play each other fairly even. But this was like, this was, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a, of a, this was like last year's Toronto Blue Jays playing a, a single A team from 1985. This was like <laughs> not, there's no comparison. Uh, it was bad. Yeah, I'm pretty upset still. <laughs> Uh, I have one question I, I caught. It was kind of asked, but we didn't ask for questions, but I saw it. Um, why option Suarez, the AAA, seems like solid bullpen option if he's not going to start? Uh, does this mean Kane is back this week? Uh, so it doesn't mean – my understanding is that Kane's not back this week. Kane's back after the All-Star break, but they optioned him because they only have, like, two healthy position players and they needed a spot for Romo him to come back and Suarez wasn't gonna be able to pitch for a few days so they they did that and they can bring him back after the all-star break if they want to yeah I mean Suarez certainly he's gonna be the next as soon as they need a starter or anything he's gonna come back very quickly and yeah he he acquitted himself or he fared quite nicely it was it was pretty great he's, he's gonna be the new user Petit, pretty much for sure um Probably a good thing that that's not Tim Lincecum because if you've been tracking Tim Lincecum's progress, he has been pitching like the Tim Lincecum we all know. So yeah, just had to say. Uh, all right, that's a depressing note to end on. So, <laughs> but uh, oh, I want to alert everyone to that. Uh, I've finally went ahead and created a Twitter account for the McCovey Croncast. It's at Mick Croncast MC. Croncast. And uh, I think, Doug, I'm going to open up a competition here. If anyone wants to submit designs for a logo, I would be very open to that. I don't know about you, unless you have one. I, I would absolutely be open to that, yes. All right, so let's have a logo contest. Um, and you can you can add it at the McCovey Croncast, at the Mick, Cron, Mick Croncast uh, Twitter handle. We'll also start posting um you know asking for questions off of that uh we'll build it up that way and and uh get going that way so thanks for listening doug do you have anything to plug are you like going to mars or releasing a movie or dropping an album soon what's going on with you uh no if, if anyone <laughs> out there is in the sacramento area hire me to work for you there we go that's my okay. plan pay me uh, money you are a fitness model and coder yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. I, I, 
Yeah. So, so any modeling or coding, uh, higher end. That's great. All right. Great. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. And uh, I'm uh, glad you listened because the Jeff Samarja, fake Jeff Samarja interview was definitely, it's going to win us awards, I feel like. <laughs> uh, Peabody's. Yes. All right. Bye.